So you've decided to hit play on an episode that's titled, Why I Want You to Fail. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for being here and trusting me enough to listen. I am going to talk today with you about, yes, why I want you to fail in photography, in business, in whatever it is that you are trying to do at life, but not because I don't want to see you succeed, but because I know the quicker you fail, the quicker it is you'll succeed. I'm sure we've all heard that. I'm going to give us the old adage as we go through here, um, fail fast, fail often, but there's so much more to it. And I've got a pretty long background with failure that I feel pretty confident in being able to bring you this topic today. So without further ado, let's get in. Hi, I'm Christine Richet, an artist and mentor to photographers around the world. Consider me your interstellar guide on the path to being a better nightscape photographer. In this podcast, we will bring together our artistic right brain and technical left brain by exploring creativity, art, and inspiration in photography, as well as diving into technique, gear, and strategy necessary to elevate your craft and photographic practice. I am so happy to be a part of your Milky Way journey. This is the After Dark Photography Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the podcast today. I'm really happy to have you here. I am just jazzed to actually be back, by the way. I am finally feeling like a human again after having pneumonia. I commented this somewhere. It's like, you know, fun fact, what happens when both your kids get sick and you get sick, but you still have to take care of the kids and you don't get rest? Yeah, your body's like, oh, no, you're going to rest. Here's pneumonia. Uh, So I am happy to be back like a normal-ish person. I don't know if I can ever be categorized as normal. (laughs) I was just doing a a podcast interview episode with someone, a colleague earlier today. I'll talk a little bit more about that later because we had some interesting things come up. And every time that I start talking about what it is that I do, what it is that we do as night photographers, Milky Way photographers, astrophotographers, people are like, that's that's your thing? That's what you do? (laughs) You actually just do that? Huh. Now, um, in, in, in not in a bad way from the, the colleague I was talking to today, but yeah, I am finally getting back to normal, at least for now. I mean, give us like a week and then we'll all be sick again. Um, that is the Petri dish that is daycare and school and young children. But on a happier note, you will be... Well, I don't know. I don't know if you'll be pleased. At least one or two people (laughs) will be pleased to hear. We had a complete deep freeze in Nova Scotia over the weekend, like record-breaking cold temperatures here. Um, I didn't go outside that day. It was great for me. I was still recovering. But it froze our rink. The day before I was out on our rink and I was stepping on it. And it's like, you know, there's a layer of ice over top, our outdoor rink in the backyard, but there's still water coming up. But this finally froze it. It was frozen. So last night, yes, we were out and skating on the rink. Got my three-year-old daughter out there um, on skate. She was like, mommy, 
these aren't my skates, but they fit me. And I was like, no, no, they were your big brother's skates, but now they're yours. And even just my son, he's, he's six, he'll be seven soon. Even just seeing him last year to this year, I mean, he's out there and he's doing these slide stops and just like, he's skating better than me. <laughs> like, let's, let's just be real and honest here. So um, that's a, a pretty awesome thing. Kind of crazy that it's February, it was February 5th. Um, so I'm recording this on the Monday before uh, this episode goes live on Wednesday. And yeah, February 5th is the earliest that we had where it was actually cold enough consistently to freeze our rink. Um, it's been a crazy year, a crazy winter here. So a couple things otherwise going on. We have had a few just lovely, clear, beautiful nights. Now, a big moon because we're just coming off the full moon, but still lovely, lovely nights. If I wanted to, I could have got up very early in the morning and gone in and photographed the comet. Of course, I also have been, if I haven't mentioned it already, feel like maybe I have uh, been recovering from pneumonia. So uh, sleep has been the top priority for me, but I have been seeing some really, really lovely images coming out from people. And we have coming up, what, in just a few days on February 10th, the comment. So I'm talking about C2022E3ZTF or uh, Zwicky. I think so people are saying it maybe uh, I don't know if I'm getting that right or wrong um but it is dimming now in terms of um how bright it is however it is going to be very close to Mars on the 10th February 10th so that will be something cool to watch out for so I have been hanging out inside sleeping and ruminating on failure and what it means to fail and that's what today's episode is all about now to start this episode, I want you to do a little check-in for me. And I just want you to think about what is your experience with failure? Because before we get into things today, I want you to just like have a little bit of an idea in your head. How do you react in your life when you fail at something? In this episode, I'm going to explain why I think failure is not only a good thing, but why it's necessary to move forward in your photography, especially, especially astrophotography, where it's just, it's such a technical genre. Now, I like to start anything with a little bit of, of a definition. So when I say failure, I, I think that this can mean different things for different people. Um, for those of us who are listening, maybe you, you might be a perfectionist. I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist. And when that's the case, the idea of failing might be very easy to see. It's just like, yeah, no, I can point out all kinds of failures for days and night. Um, but other people might look at it a little bit differently. So let's actually define failure. Um, if we look up it in the Oxford Dictionary, it defines failure as a lack of success or the omission of an expected or required action. So for me, I see a failure as when I did not achieve something that I set out to achieve. Now, the crux of that statement, of course, is that I would need to have a goal or a target in order to fail at something. Now, that's a conversation for another day. We're not going to talk goal setting, etc. in today's episode. Um, but for me, that 
failure comes because I have actually decided to put myself out there and try and achieve something. So I will say my personal approach to failure has really changed a lot um, over the years. And my hope is that from today's episode, I can give you an alternate perspective on failure and show why I think it will benefit you. So if we have an idea of what failure is, let's, let's just come up with a few ideas of how potentially say we could fail at something. As night photographers, that list is like a mile long. Uh, because it's just, this is a crazy technical genre. So what could it be? It could be a failed shoot where I come away with like no photos from a whole night shooting or where I missed my focus or I had camera shake or whatever it could be. I mean, we, we could be here for two hours just going through the list. Um, or you know, it could be when I get back home and I'm trying to put an image together in Photoshop. I didn't take enough frames for my panel, not enough overlap, or there's moving tree branches so things won't go together well, right? There's so many different ways that we could have a quote unquote failed night. Now, if we talk business failures in this, this is definitely like right now where my head goes, I'm putting together and preparing to launch this brand new program. And it's specifically for landscape and nightscape photographers who are looking to monetize their hobby and do it in a smart way. Um, so my head goes to like business failures because I've had lots of those too. Uh, then we've got lots of other options, right? <laughs> the list again is a mile long of the things that we could fail at. The main one though, if we want to like kind of put this in a bucket would be not hitting a revenue goal or like, you know, not getting enough sales. And I find failure can seem just really similar um, between creating images and also running a business. One of the things why I like being my own boss, not just because I get to take naps after I've been out shooting all night, though that's very nice, I do have to say, uh, but it's a creative thing as well. Um, both creating images and writing a business, they require us, require me, and if you're doing the same, to be creative. And in that process of creation, anytime there's a process of creation, there are bound to be issues that might come up. But when we spend a whole night out shooting and we don't get our images, it doesn't mean that that whole night was a failure, does it? The failure would actually be in failing to learn from the mistakes that we made that night. The same goes for business. Like, let's say you decide that you're going to do a calendar print sale. And so you buy 25 calendars up front and then you get them. <laughs> you realize that like the print quality is terrible or you made a mistake. There's a typo. You didn't fix a mask on that image. Like, you know, there's all of these things that could happen. Well, the failure then would be if you're not learning from that. Because what does it do? It teaches you for next time. So you have to do things earlier so that you're not running up against a late deadline where it's like, oh, well, I have to get by all of these. Now I don't have time to do a test print run and triple check everything, you know? So you're able to start learning from our failures. So yes, failure can be a really powerful tool for growth and learning. And I think, it's really important for us to understand how to embrace 
and learn from failure. It lets us become more resilient, persistent, and ultimately successful in our endeavors. If you are scared of failure, if you have, and maybe that's that's too much, like I'm not scared of failure, but maybe you have trouble embracing failure, you may be a little bit less likely to start doing something if you are not guaranteed success. And when are we ever guaranteed success at something? So being able to embrace failure means that we are much more likely to actually go out and do the darn thing that we actually want to do and get there. Now, I would like to tell you a story of what really amounts to consistent failures. Uh, If this isn't your first time, listening to the podcast and being around kind of my online space, um, you would probably see me as like successful. And I'm, I'm doing air quotes on the successful here. Um, let's just take a look at why that might be. Um, and remember, before when I talked about failure is not reaching your goals, if failure is not reaching your goals, then what is success? Success is just reaching your goals. So these are some goals that I made for myself and I met and might be why you might see me as someone who's successful. Please, please bear with me here. I I wrote these out so I would have a list to read, but when I am reading it, if feels very much like kind of being braggadocious. And I want to be clear, that is not why I am giving you this list. No, no, it is not. Spoiler alert, the list, the list is so that we can contrast it further on in the podcast with my many, many failures. And we don't even have time to go through what all of them are. So in terms of, um, why I I see myself or why you may see me as successful. Uh, If we're looking at my images, so I have award-winning images. I'm represented here by one of the top galleries locally. I just had my own solo show this past summer after almost a decade of not really exhibiting, let alone having like a body of work that I felt proud to exhibit. Uh, And actually this morning, literally this morning, I just dropped off more prints to my framing and mounting company for an exhibit that I'm going to be part of coming up um, in this month. And even um, in just two weeks time, I'm actually going to be presenting. um, It's going to be something that is filmed for TV as well, a presentation at our lieutenant governor's, um, a biannual event that they're doing just on my work. They just want me to come and talk about me. So bizarre, so bizarre and amazing, by the way. In terms of business, well, first up, you are listening to me right now. Still crazy. Uh, On my podcast, we're here. You know, I scroll through Spotify to get to my kids like individual playlists. And all of a sudden, there is my face on the screen, which, by the way, my three year old loves it. My six year old could not care less. Fun fun side fact here. Sometimes my daughter is having like a really rough day at daycare. Um, the owner will put on my YouTube videos for her to watch. I don't know. I guess all the kids get to learn about astrophotography. Um Anyways, uh, it's not about that, but it's just funny sometimes the way that my kids see me versus um, how, how I am out in the world. Uh, so this podcast you're listening to, it has over 15,000 downloads in the last six months, listened to in over 81 countries. Insane. I have my own uh, line of merch. 
I've taught tens of thousands of photographers how to photograph the night sky. I've sold many prints into many collectors' homes and, you know, some in the thousands of dollars per print, singular print. And if we look at my business overall, it grosses multiple six figures revenue in a year. So yeah, I I would, yeah, call myself successful. <laughs> I'm saying that really confident, aren't I? <laughs> but it's still one of those things that is kind of crazy to me because to get to this success, there was a very long road paved with what I perceived at the time as failure after failure after failure. And so I'm going to take you back in time just a little bit. And let's rewind first to 2020, the year that we would all rather forget. Uh, 2020 is when I decided to take my business um, of teaching photography online. I'd been teaching in person prior to this. I've told this story uh, many times, but I'd been teaching in person uh, before this. I started teaching in person at NASCAD University in 2008. And then I, after the birth of my son in 2016, I started teaching not at the university, but through my own company um, in person um, locally here. So I finally, by necessity, took my classes online in 2020. I mean, there was <laughs> literally I was just telling the story on uh, the podcast with Bonnie interview that I did today, where it was like, I had planned a plan to take my things online, but it was not a comfortable thing to do to put myself and my thoughts and, and who I was out in front of all these people who might not like me. Whew. Anyways, uh, but then, you know, 2020 rolled around. Uh, my daughter was finally six months old, March 2020. She was six months old. And like at that point, everyone here who might not have kids or et cetera, like at this, you know, they say generally exclusively um, breastfed or formula fed until six months and I breastfed my kids. So it, like at six months, it's like freedom. I can give them food. No, you can feed her banana, banana mush paste, whatever it is for the hour that I am out of the house. So I had talked to my husband. I was like, okay, I'm ready to start teaching again. And I put these ads online to, uh, for my class. And then like, no one was buying. I had a couple people email me, but at this point, like normally, like people know who I am locally. Normally people would be like buying my, my classes. Uh, and I said to my husband, I was like, I wonder if it's this old COVID thing. I wonder if that's why people aren't doing it. Uh, yeah. Anyways, we know how that went. Uh, but so I decided to take it online and take my courses online. But here's the thing I don't talk about as much is that this was not something that my husband fully supported me on. In fact, we had quite a few arguments about why I was spending my maternity leave with two kids home during the lockdown, building out an online business. And I, I want to give you a, a bit more of an insight into that, like just to give you a small kind of snippet of what things actually looked like. So here I was home with the kids all day. Um, where we were here in Nova Scotia, the, our first lockdown was particularly harsh. Uh, we weren't even allowed to leave our own neighborhood at this point when I was building things out. Um, <clears throat> if you couldn't walk to the place you were going to and it wasn't the grocery store, then that's it. You were not allowed to be there. Like people were getting fined 
thousands of dollars. I don't remember exactly. Fortunately, I never got one because I stayed home with the kids. Um, but people are going to find just like terrible amounts of money for, for going places. And there was all the fear and everything. Um, my daughter was six months old. My son was just shy of his fourth birthday. Uh, so that was my days. Literally just at home with him here. So grateful. I, I mean, you know, I say this, but we have a big backyard it was starting to be not terrible winter. So we would go outside in the backyard and it was so much more than I know a lot of people had. But it was still also very difficult. Um, be with them all day long while my husband worked. Um, and then they would get down to bed at about eight o'clock at night. They would be down. Then I would go and work alone in the upstairs guest bedroom. Uh, and I would work there alone until midnight. And I, I worked up there. So my office um, is actually downstairs. It's in uh, the basement level of, of our house. And it's actually where I taught as well. It's got an egress that goes out. And so there's a, a side entrance and everything. Um, but I would work upstairs in the guest bedroom because it was beside my daughter. And I could hear her when she would wake up at midnight pretty consistently. She would wake up at midnight for a midnight feed, um, not bottle fed, so breastfed. So I would go in and feed my daughter at midnight. Um, and then I would go back to my computer. I'd work until about 2 a.m. And then the next day I would get up anytime between 6 or 8 a.m., depending on the kids and the day, and start it all over again every single day. That's what I did. There was no weekend. There, it, it was every single day. That's what I did. And maybe <laughs> you could see why my husband thought I was crazy. I mean, he was just like, you're on maternity leave. I'm Canadian here. Um, so we do have a year of maternity leave, a year and a half actually now too, if you want to, you can spread it out longer. Uh, so yeah, maybe you could see why I thought I was a little bit crazy. But I need to give you a little bit more context from my husband's point of view, it really, it wasn't just that. It went back a lot farther than that. He had a front row seat to all of the things over the years that I tried and that did not work. Uh, we met while I was in university. So he had, we've been together for a very long time and he's seen it all. I have mentioned it before that I have photographed pretty much every genre of photography out there like failing boudoir and sport. I think those are the only two that I haven't photographed actually professionally or underwater. Underwater would be super cool if we want to take that. I was actually just speaking with one of my students who used to do underwater. Um, so that would be another one to add to the list. That would be cool if I wasn't scared of diving. Um, so I've done pretty much all of that. Um, and none of it very successfully previously. And my husband had seen all of that. Um, you know, my, my first choice in all of this and getting started was really in deciding to attend art university as opposed to a more business-focused community college for learning photography. And I still think that was a great idea, but I also see how that uh, changed the trajectory of just what happened when I came out of university. You know, I, I came out of there with my two degrees, my Bachelor of Fine Arts, my Bachelor of Design, and I was determined, like hell bent, not to be a starving artist. So 
at that point, I had already been teaching photography at the university. I kept doing that. Uh, and then I landed a corporate creative job within months of graduating. And that was just, to me, that was perfect. It's like, okay, I get to still be a photographer. I get to do my design and my product design, which was my focus. Um, and I get paid for it. It's amazing. And then in addition to that, I also started my own photography business with my best friend. By the way, just in case you're you might be like, oh, I've heard that story before. She is still my best friend. The business did not last, but <laughs> our friendship did. So at this point, this is like fresh at a university. I was working 70 to 80 hour weeks regularly. Like that was just, that's what my week was. I would work during the days. Some days we would be at work until 1 or 2 a.m., at my day job, I would work all weekend. If I wasn't working at my day job, I would be teaching in evenings. I would be editing from other shoots and other things I was doing. Um, I was always working. And the teaching job itself at the university paid very little, very little. Uh, and then the work that I got for a photography side hustle, it was like inconsistent at best. And pretty much for 11 years, that's exactly what I did. I worked my full-time job. I taught photography at the university. And then later I did that through my own business, as well as taking on client and commission work on the side. From all like outside, I was busy. I was doing lots of stuff. I was learning. But on the inside, even working as much as I did, the most additional income that I ever made in a year outside of my full-time job was $8,000 for the extra amount that I was working, that is so little. And in fact, just before I went on maternity leave in 2019, not that long ago, I did a print sale and I struggled in that print sale to sell eight by 10 prints for $50 each. My mom, bless her, she bought four prints of all, I didn't sell that many and she bought four of them. I found them actually um, still in their packaging when I cleaned out her place uh, after she passed away. And I remember just thinking how grateful I was that she did that. And in actually like creating images over this time as well, um, this period of time of coming out of university and then up until not that long ago, I didn't create one solid body of like photographic work that I was happy with. From this, it, what would the dates be from like, 2009 um, to 2018, in those 11, uh, sorry, in those like nine years, yeah, um, none, nothing in there where I would have like put my hat down and been like, yes, this is something that I am really proud of and happy and excited to put out in the world. And so contrast that with what I said now that I'm having as my successes in a short ish period of time. I mean, short in terms of um, how long I, I kind of slogged through many different things. Like I, I could get into many, many granule things, but I want to take us from there. I want to take us from how did I get from there to, to here and where I am now. And it really boils down into two things. The first is having the courage to try again and to do it in a different way. Now, recently that came down to taking kind of a really huge and scary step in 2019. It was, I was going on maternity leave and that's when I invested in a business course. And it was more than that. It was a mentor that I believed in 
that I had a connection with and that I knew would show me a different way. And not only did I learn about a lot of business stuff, <laughs> spoiler alert, they don't teach you in university when you go to art university, uh, but also so many more th just like changes in the way I think about things, mindset shifts, many things I've talked about on the podcast here already. Um, I'll link to these in the show notes, but like episode six, where I say how to succeed in photography, um, or episode 16, how your brain sabotages your creativity, or this was a particularly vulnerable one, um, episode 24, what's holding you back. Um, if you want to know some of the bigger mindset changes that have happened for me, over the past few years, uh, those episodes will will dial that in for you. So having that courage to try again, to open myself up to, yes, potentially more failure, but doing it again and not doing it, not doing the same thing. Like what's the, uh, what's that quote? Um, the definition of insanity is just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something different. Uh, so <laughs> um, trying things again in a different way. And then the second is failing, <laughs> failing so many times. Like how did I get from barely selling $50 by 10 prints to selling prints for thousands of dollars? Um, just as a very concrete here's a contrast for you, um, failing a lot of times in many big ways and many small ways and learning from those failures again and again and again. And in fact, now I would say I fail almost as much now as I did in the journey that took to get me here. But the difference is that it's in a very, I guess, calculated way. Um, and with a completely different mindset. So I go into a goal knowing that there is a very good chance, especially if it's a big goal, if it's an audacious goal, it's like my big, hairy, scary goal on something. I know there's a chance that it's not going to work out, that there is going to be failure that's in it. And I also know that I'm going to learn from that. And this is a really good Nelson Mandela quote that I love. And it's, um, he said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And if you go into new experiences and trying new things with that mindset, already you're like so, so far ahead. So far ahead. Now remember, at the start of the podcast, I asked you, how do you react to failure? What is your experience with failure? Now, I would like to actually add one thing onto that. I just want you to bring that, like get present again to what you thought of um, when, when I ask you that. But I want to add one more thing on, and that is what potentially do you make that failure mean? What do you make it mean about you? For over a decade, I had a really unhealthy relationship with failure. I took my failures as evidence that what everyone was saying was reality. You know, the, the, this is my personal thing to get over, but the idea of a starving artist, that you can't make a living as an artist, as creating something. I was taking all of those failures and making it mean so much more than what they actually did 
But now, every time I do something that doesn't work out, instead of feeling bad about it, I'm going to shift it. I'm going to look at it in a different way. It's interesting. um, I did just get off doing a podcast interview um, with a colleague of mine. I'm grateful that my voice actually has been able to hold up today. Um, Last week, I, I... my podcast episode was a little bit more rough. My voice was a little bit, a little bit harder. Uh, but she teaches how to create amazing colored pencil drawings, and she asked me in the conversation we had, and she said, "How do I get from the not knowing anything to that point where we're just starting, we're just starting at something? It's like a glorious and terrible point." to be had, isn't it? Because when you're just starting, the possibilities are endless and you can do everything. And then you start doing it and you're like, fudgesicles, I don't know how to do anything. (laughs) And we can get into a really frustrated frame of mind. And so she said, you know, how do you get from that not knowing anything and that being frustrated and then push through? to where you are now. Um, and so she was specifically talking about with my images, but I think this could be with anything. And I answered that a big piece of that, well, I answered a lot of things. I have a tendency to talk a lot sometimes. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, but a big piece of that is embracing failure, learning from those failures, not being scared of them, and using them to move on and do better next time. So not just like getting down and they're like, oh, I can't do it. I didn't get it. I'm so terrible. Like just getting down into like these doldrums about it. No, like taking those failures and using those to iterate and move on. So if failure then makes us better, what should we be doing? I hinted to this. I did start the podcast. Can't help myself. Uh, Fail often and fail fast. So that's what that came out of um, moniker was coined out of Silicon Valley, wasn't it? Uh, Fail often, fail fast. What I mean by that is illustrated really, really wonderfully by uh, this professor. So Jerry Yulesman, he was a professor at the University of Florida, um, photography professor. And it was the start of the semester, as the story goes, as the story is told, uh, he divided his film photography students. Hey, who, who's, raise your hands. Did you take film photography in school? I did. My uh, university only had their first uh, digital class at the very end my last semester they had it. So he, sorry, side note, uh, he divided his film photography students at the start of the semester into two groups. One group was assigned to create as many photos as they could. And on the final day of the class, they would be graded solely on the quantity. How many images did they make during the entirety of that semester? And then the other group, maybe not semester, I don't know if it was like a month or a semester. I'm not hazy on that particular detail. The other group was the quality group. So they were assigned to produce only one photo during the semester. And to get a good grade, they had to have it be practically perfect. That was their job. That was it. Just make one really good photo. And at the end of this, they found that the best images came, nope, not from the quality group, 
but from the quantity group. Why? Why? Because those who are in the quantity group, they experimented. They failed a lot. (laughs) They failed often and they failed fast. They kept doing it, but they did it with permission. It was okay to fail. And guess what? Every single time they failed, they learned. They got better. Do you see here how starting to give yourself that permission to try things and to fail is ultimately going to help you succeed? Now, you don't only learn from failures. Like, yes, I think most of us here can be like, yeah, get it, fail, learn from my mistake. Okay, good. But I don't always have to learn from my mistakes, can I? I can learn from someone else's mistakes. Maybe I don't always have to fail. Maybe I don't have to try this thing. I could just learn through what someone else did. Well, maybe. But I really believe you don't just learn from failure. It does a lot of other things for you. You also develop resilience. Okay. Look, don't tell my brothers this, okay? I know one of them listens to this, but maybe you won't listen to this episode. Don't tell them. Yes, between me, you and me. Unless you're Sasha. If you're Sasha, please mute. Okay, growing up, with the age difference between me and my brothers, they're five and seven years older than me, they were always making me do things the hard way. They would tell me, Christine, this is to toughen you up. We're getting you ready for the real world. Like I cannot tell you literally how many times I heard that as a little sister. So many times. Okay. Okay. This is hard to say out loud, but they were right. <laughs> so hard. And now I'm recorded for all the world to hear. Okay. Um, they didn't do the things for me. You know, they could have. They were older than me. They were just better at doing pretty much everything. Oh, gosh. This is terrible. They're going to have this as recorded evidence that they can use at any point that they want in the future. But they could, you know, they they could have done all of these things for me and made my life super easy and cushy. Uh, but they didn't. I had to do it and then fail miserably and then have them laugh at me <laughs> continuously. Um, but then I would keep trying and keep doing it so I could prove them wrong. Nothing is like a spited younger sister. Um But so what actually happened here? I had the opportunity to become resilient. And I did, jeez, it's like they maybe knew what they were doing and weren't just being terrible to me. Um, I had the ability to build up this mental fortitude that does let me bounce back more quickly after each new failure. So just don't tell them. (laughs) Okay, so it lets us be more resilient, have more mental fortitude. Um, Sometimes too, especially like it was evident um, in what we were just talking about before with the group with Jerry Yulesman, failure can lead actually to more creativity, more experimentation. When you are not afraid of failing, but instead you embrace that failure, you may just be willing to take more risks and try new approaches. One of my favorite things now, in my fresh and shiny new relationship that I have (laughs) with failure, is when I come up with something 
that I've never seen done before. Maybe it has been, but I have just never experienced it. Never seen it done. Uh, And then I get to try and do it. Like last year, when I had this crazy idea that I was going to live stream a real life Milky Way photo shoot. Like when I first had that idea, I know I've said this before, but geez, I came up with the idea and I was like, that is such a cool thing to do. Like, would it not be amazing to actually be able to have people watch me photograph the Milky Way in real time? Like we see all these vlogs of people like going out. Like I watch them all the time. I absolutely love them. Like Richard Taddy, I'm watching his vlogs of him going out on the Australian landscape and taking beautiful pictures of the night sky. And then he like gets in his car and has a cuppa and it's just great. Love it. Absolutely love it. But wouldn't it be even cooler? This is no shade because I don't do vlogs like that and they're amazing. I love them. But I thought, wouldn't it be so cool to be able to have people see me do it in real time? So they could ask me questions in real time. So they could see me fail at things. Yes, in real time. And then I was just like, well, but this has never been done. Like then, you know, there's this list of like, well, here's all the reasons why I can't do it. Like I have to be somewhere dark enough. I have to have a good Wi-Fi connection. Like I have to be able to stream. How are people going to see me? How am I going to set up the tech? Like all of these things. But None of that mattered because I was so excited about the experience that people would be able to have. And it was something new. And yes, there were a bajillion things that could have gone wrong. And there are tons of things that also did like kind of go wrong. There was all of these like little mini failures. We tried. I had everything set for a Tuesday and we drove to the location and I got there and I stepped out and oh, she was blowing a gale. It was right. We were on um, on the Atlantic Ocean and it was windy. Was not going to happen. It would have been like, <sighs> sorry, that's my terrible wind noise. You had to hear that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> in your ear. It would have been like that the whole time. It just would have been terrible. Um, so there were tons of little failures along the way, but overall it was amazing. And the feedback that I got from people on it was amazing. It was, it lit me up to be able to do it. And now like I have even bigger ideas <laughs> with how I'm going to do things uh, this year. But it's, wouldn't have, would not have done that. Would not have taken that experiment or taken that leap if I didn't embrace failure. Which really in the end, I think that embracing that failure, it leads to what a lot of people call a growth mindset. So one where failure, it doesn't mean rejection. It doesn't mean negativity or frustration. No, it means like it's just a springboard. Like it helps you develop your abilities. It helps you get to whatever that goal might be. So how exactly Do we embrace failure? Because that's why I've been saying, you know, I've been saying, okay, here's the reasons why I've been able to do cool stuff because I embrace failure. And you're like, okay, cool, but I maybe don't feel the same way, Christine. Uh, Yeah, that's all right. I get it. It's not always easy. It's not to like try something, to actually put your hat in the ring and be like, I'm going to do this and then not do it or have people see that you've not done it. Um, It it can be difficult. Um, So... Here are some ways that I look at failure now um, and to just bring it around to be productive for me. Instead of catapulting me into that, I can never do this. I in the failure. Emphasis there is on the I. Remember, listen what I said before. Hear that belief 
all of a sudden it's not about the failure. It's not about the thing that I did that didn't work. No, now it's about that belief turning into, or that failure turning into rather a belief about myself. And we want to get out of that. We want to be able to embrace our failure so that we can dive headfirst into things and make that progress and hit that goal. So what is the first step? First step with most everything um, is acknowledging it. So, you know, when there's negative stuff that comes up, I would rather say another word than stuff, but I try not to get uh, the explicit warning um, on these podcasts. Um, When there's negative stuff that happens, failures, etc., whatever, acknowledge it. So acknowledge you didn't hit whatever that goal or outcome was that you wanted. And if you have to, if you want to, sit in it. Have like a little pity party for yourself. Just sit in those feelings for a hot minute. You know, you're allowed that. That's okay. We we don't have to. I'm not saying like, oh, everyone just be happy about it. <laughs> that thing that you planned for, you really wanted to happen, didn't. Just be happy about it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's just toxic positivity, which we do not want. No, you're allowed to be in it and to feel it but don't stay there. That's the key. So acknowledge it, understand it, but don't stay there. You need to move out of it. So how do you move out of that? You can do it one way. I'm going to give you a few ways here. Um, Reframing your perspective. This is something I am consistently and constantly doing. Um, A big way that you can do this is with curiosity, getting curious about things. Um, This is something even I'm learning and constantly reinforcing. is instead of putting judgments onto things, I'm getting curious about them. Um, You can also reframe things as not a failure, but a learning experience. Uh, Maybe, probably maybe, that learning experience sucked. (laughs) Especially like, let's say it was at the cost of like a once in a lifetime trip or event. And then you forgot and you messed up and you shot all of your images at like ISO a million that will feel more heavy than say like a trip to a nearby trail where you did the same. And it's like, okay, well, I can learn from that experience. I can reframe that as a learning experience because I'll just go back tomorrow. Um, But the key thing here is that you do actually get to decide how you look at it. So you can focus on the thing that didn't happen or you can reframe it into a positive and you can focus on that. And how you see and find that positive, that depends on who you are. But ultimately, you do get to make that decision. Another reframe for failure, one that I like to use as well, is I didn't achieve X goal. And this is one I, I use this in my business all the time. Sometimes I have these like real big goals. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I don't hit them a lot of the time. But instead of getting upset about it, I just know I haven't hit those goals yet. And when I remove that time constraint, it actually reframes how I look at the whole experience. Hmm. Okay, next, another way that we can embrace it. This is a really powerful one for me, maybe for you as well. Take responsibility. <laughs> And this is for me to myself and to others, especially like if what I've done, if something um, has affected others, and definitely I will own up and take responsibility and have a conversation with them. But if we are like, yeah, yeah, of course, well, then do it for yourself too. Anything that you would do for someone else, do it for yourself too. So don't just avoid the failure. This is, this is just huge, right? Don't 
avoid it and say, oh, well, yeah, that thing. Happened. I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to move on to something else. or I'm going to do something else. You're going to avoid it. No, look at it straight on. Own it. And guess what? When you do that and you take responsibility for it, you take responsibility for, oh, I was too tired. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, whatever it was, whatever the reasons were that this thing happened, you're much less likely to make that mistake again. Okay, we are not going to be ostriches with our heads stuck in the sand here. No, we're going to look at these things straight on. And that, I think, goes hand in hand with my next point here. I have a little note about is embracing vulnerability. There's a reason earlier on in the podcast that I talked about um, my husband thinking that I was like legit crazy. Uh, And it was not to make you think that my husband is a mean person because he's not, but it was to be open and honest with you in this forum together where we're talking about something that was exceptionally hard at the time. And it might seem like a small thing, like the fact that I'm able to be here and talk about it with you, et cetera, might make it seem like it was a small thing, but it wasn't at the time. And it was something that we needed to work through and talk about. And when you are open and honest, especially around things like failure, which are not necessarily the most comfortable things to talk about, you're able to then build off of those failures from a much more solid foundation. If you don't look at those failures, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't really pour the concrete well here, but we're just going to put some two by fours over it and everything will be fine. It won't be fine. Spoiler alert. Your house will blow down in a hurricane. You don't want that. Okay, now, (laughs) if you like my analogies here, uh, the second to last thing I want to talk about that you can do to embrace your failure, okay, it's a little bit of a cheat, but I'm all for it, okay? It's to celebrate the small wins. So you didn't get the image you wanted on a night out shooting. Your focus was off and it was blurry, but you did get your butt out of bed and you did get out to shoot. You did get to spend time under the night sky with your thoughts, with the landscape, with the peace that comes from being there. You did know when and where to go out and shoot. You remember the first time you shot under the night sky? Did you know exactly where you were looking? If you did, you are in the minority. Uh, You did shoot, let's say, for 20 seconds instead of 1 20th of a second. Who here has made that mistake? Um, If you look, if you actually look, so this is about where we're not sticking our heads in the sand here. We are actually looking at it. You will actually find that there are small wins. Even in the biggest darn failures that we make, there are small wins. But you have to be open to looking for them. Lastly, I have said this before on the podcast, and I will say it again, gosh darn it. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself the kindness and the compassion that you would give your best friend. Especially, especially if you're in a position where you've let yourself down in some way uh, by not attaining a goal. That's going to happen sometimes and it will happen in smaller or bigger ways. I mean, if we take this conversation back to like business, we can be in a situation where maybe we've got bills to pay and we are trying to make the sale of something work and we did not hit our target. And that can be really freaking hard can be really hard on yourself. Um, You're not going to do yourself any favors by continuing to be hard on yourself. Give yourself compassion. You're not going to do yourself a favor 
by beating yourself up and saying, oh, I can't believe I forgot to check my focus, recheck my focus last night. And that the second half of the night, all of my photos were out of focus. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. All of those things. I actually, in our house, this is funny because, okay, this is a little side note here. We're, we're almost through today, but I've got a small little side tangent. My son is always like, well, yeah, but that's like the G word. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's that? He's like, well, you know, you know what it is. And I was like, no, I don't know. And he's like, well, is there a, a G word? Because <laughs> he, he just constantly is trying to get us to tell him what swear words are. So he'll just come up with them like that. But um, in our house, um, I don't let him really use the word stupid. Stupid is, is not a word that we use in this house because like, when is there a good time to use the word stupid? When is it actually productive? It's not. It's not. It's never being nice to someone. It's never being useful. Um, and this is, but the, how do we talk to ourselves? Duh! How do we talk to ourselves? When we make a mistake, what do we do? What do we say? This goes back to what I was asking you at the very start of this podcast. And this is why I wanted you to think about this a little bit. How do we start to think and talk about ourselves? to ourselves, not to other people. I don't go to my husband and be like, I was such an idiot last night, I did this. Like, no, but in my head, like I I will tend to have uh, some negative self-talk. And so we need to take that and be like, okay, I'm gonna treat myself like I treat my best friend. And I'm gonna talk to myself that way inside my head because what we say matters. And the reality here really is, when we set out to do something new, we're probably gonna mess up along the way. Yeah. Because if we're not failing at something, then the likelihood is you aren't trying anything new. Look, it's pretty darn easy to not fail if you're just sitting on the couch binging out on Netflix, <laughs> right? Right. The hard part is actually deciding, yes, I'm going to do this thing, whatever that thing is. I'm going to try and take a multi-level um, pano of the Milky Way. I'm going to try and sell my prints for the first time. I'm going to try anything new that I have never done before. If you aren't doing that, you're not actually getting out there and doing it, then yeah, you're not going to fail. You're fine. Just hang out at home, sit on the couch. But if you do, if you say, okay, yeah, I'm actually going to do it, and you're able to start embracing the failures, the big or the small ones that come up, learning from them, integrating them, looking at them, you can take those and you can move along so much more quickly and you can get to your goals, whatever those goals are, so much more quickly. I hope that this episode has helped you just change or tweak or nudge along the way that you think about failing at something. Ultimately, this is my, hey, this is my sneaky little agenda all along. I let you in on it since you hung out with me here until the end. Um, ultimately, I hope that I've enabled you to get out there and to try something. Maybe something that you've been putting off, maybe something that has been a little bit scary to do. And we are just on that note, we're getting back into the Milky Way core season. I talked about this in the last episode. If you haven't listened to it, you can go on back. My Cosmic Chronicles for February, I talk about what's coming up in February. And yes, the Milky Way core is, depending on your latitude and where you live and how much of the horizon you see, 
the Milky Way core is coming back. And that means we're getting back into Milky Way season, baby. Sorry, feels weird to say, but that's that's what people say, isn't it? And I really look forward to hearing about your adventures out under the night sky, including the many wins and the failures that are yet to come. Because as we do it, as we put ourselves out there, as we try, as we create, we will both win and we will both fail. But here's the the real kicker to this episode. I've been using the word failure during this whole episode. I don't really believe anything is truly a failure. If we change the way we look at it and we let it help us create something better, was it really a failure? (laughs) I will leave that up to you to decide. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here with me today. Always appreciate having you here on the After Dark Photography Podcast. If you like this conversation and you want to chat some more, uh, head on over. We have a Facebook group. I link it up on the show notes page here, and I would absolutely love to chat with you there. I will see you all on the next episode. Take care.